We're going to be in Psalm tonight as we begin. Be finding the 68th Psalm. Good to see you on this Lord's Day evening. And appreciate the folks who helped us this past week on some projects we're working on around here and the house next door and the um, remodel and the gym over there. So appreciate those who had some time this week to help. We we're very grateful for it. Um, we're going to begin reading here in just a second. Psalm 68. Everybody have it? Let's stand together. We're going to read one verse to begin, kind of uh, get us started. Verse 17. We've been studying about various doctrines, as you know, for many months, most of the good part of the year, and the uh, doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of the scriptures, why we use the Bible we use, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of the church, and um, we're going to spend a couple of few weeks on the doctrine of angels. And uh, so we're going to start that tonight. Verse 17 says, The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. I'm not going to try to exegete that verse. It kind of stands alone. But it talks about angels, talked about the number of angels, many angels, innumerable uh, as far as we're concerned, number of angels. The Lord is among them. They're right in the midst of God in his presence in the holy place. And so we're going to talk about angels. Just in case you meet one this week, I want you to be prepared to recognize. By the way, you're looking at one, right? The angel of the church at Mount Zion. I'm looking at some fallen angels. So we all have something in common. Let's pray again. Lord, please bless as we study tonight. Help us to be, Lord, learners. We say with the psalmist, Open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for this miraculous book that not only teaches us truth and gives us sound doctrine, but feeds us, speaks to us, challenges us, exposes us, and heals us. Thank you for this great book. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I find this study personally a rather fascinating study uh, for a number of reasons. Um, one is because there's so much misunderstanding about angels. There's so much we don't know about angels. There's a lot of mystery surrounding angels. Just think about this. Just think with me tonight. Multitudes of beings, unseen, not human, not only in heaven, but throughout the universe, throughout the atmosphere. And I mean, that's something to think about, isn't it? Don't you make you wonder if they're not kind of right by next to you, hovering over us. I believe, they, I believe they're all around us, and yet we don't see them. We don't have to see them. We don't have to feel them. So there's a lot of misunderstanding, but we want to really just look at the Bible tonight and see what the Bible says. Um, there are really two groups of angels. We're only going to talk primarily about the first group tonight. But the first group exists, I call, call them holy angels. They exist to serve the Lord and they exist to help us, minister for us. The Bible says, we'll see that in the book of Hebrews later. The other group hates the Lord, and they exist to oppose us. And both of them are as real as the other. So what does the word angel even mean? I think we mentioned this in a recent message. But the word angel, I think it was about last week, we was talking about the church and about the angel of the churches, comes from the word angelos, and it, and it means messenger. That's why some, the, the, the letters of the to the churches in Asia were delivered to the 
angels of the churches, the messengers, the pastors of the churches. And so it's used in a general way for messengers, but particularly, most often, hundreds of times, it's related to angels. And there are other names that are given to angels. For instance, uh, sometimes they're called the sons of God. And uh, we're, by the way, just, let me just uh, get you on board with this. We're going to be looking up quite a few verses tonight, so stay poised. Have your Bible open. It's a Bible drill time. So let's go to the book of Job. We're in Psalms. Go to the left to the next book, which is Job. And Job chapter 1, we have uh, this meeting that angels were a part of. Job chapter 1 and verse 2 The Bible says, now there was a time when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. The sons of God came in the presence of God, of of the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Now the sons of God, they're obviously, he's talking about angels. in, in, In heaven, they come to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan himself came also among them. We see this. Similar language in chapter 2 and verse 1 of Job. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan himself, Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And of course, he's going to be accusing Job. We're not going to get into that tonight. But some, sometimes angels are called the sons of God. A term that's often used for angels, and we'll look up several verses, is hosts, the heavenly hosts. Um, you know, in, in Luke chapter 2, I mean, our young people who know the Christmas story, they have it in programs a lot. In, Acts, in Luke chapter 2, it says, The angel of the Lord, the angel, singular, of the Lord, appeared to the shepherds. But a few verses later, it says, There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. That's talking about angels, heavenly hosts. The word host means many of them. Psalm 148.2 says, Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him as his hosts. Many people. Hosts are large numbers. You remember that Jesus said at one time, Don't you know that I could call 12 legions of angels? Now what does that mean? 12 legions of angels. Legions was a term used uh, often for a number of soldiers, and in the, among the Romans sometimes, it was a number that exceeded 6,000 people. 6,000 in a, in a legion, and he said you could call 12 legions. He said, don't you know right now that I could have it more than 72,000 angels right here, just by saying the word. That's the host. There are lots of them, a bunch of them, many of them. The writer of Hebrews called them an innumerable company of angels. Too many to number. So there's no shortage of angels. You don't have to worry sometime if the angel's helping me out, if there's not an angel available to help you out. There are lots of them. John the Beloved in the Revelation said this, I heard the voice of many angels. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. 10,000 times 10,000 plus thousands and thousands. 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million. There was 100 million plus many more thousands. There's a lot of angels. Aren't you glad there's a lot of them? Sometimes I feel like I need them. Sometimes when I see People driving, I think they need them. All the help we can get. Angels are called the heavenly host. When you think of them, don't think of one or two here or there. Think of them as being many. Angels are also created beings. We all know that. They're, they're not only created beings, they're spirit beings. That means they don't have bodies. But even though they don't have bodies, sometimes... They had the ability to appear in the form of a person, even though they were angels. Let's look at a couple of verses. Go, if you would, please, to Genesis chapter 18. 
Genesis chapter 18. And this is when Abraham, Abram is sitting in his tent door and he has these visitors that come up. He's in the plains of Mamre in Genesis 18, 1. It's in the heat of the day. Verse 2 says, And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. Something about those three men he respected. So they're, they're called three men. Now if you look a little further into the chapter in verse 22, it says, And the men, and that's talking about two of the men, the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. One of those three was the Lord himself. Two of those three were angels that appeared to be men. Those two that were angels, verse 22 says, they went towards Sodom. In chapter 19 and verse 1 it says, and there came two angels to Sodom at even. So here we have angels appearing in human form. But normally they're not. Normally they're invisible. Normally you cannot see them. Um, go to the New Testament for a moment, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. We're just getting introduced to some basic facts and information about angels. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Let brotherly love continue. Notice the verse 2, the second verse. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So don't forget to be hospitable toward people you don't know because that could be an angel. Is that what the Bible is saying right there? Sure. And I mean, I, we don't know that Abraham really knew who was, he was preparing dinner for, but as soon as, as soon as those three men showed up, he kicked into hospitality mode and took care of them. Don't forget to entertain strangers because some, doesn't say everybody, but some, by entertaining strangers, those that they do not know, they've entertained angels without knowing it. That's a good verse to keep in mind. When I read that, I think about, have I ever done that? Has that ever happened to me? Has there ever been a time when I was not, has there ever been a time when I was nice to people? Doubt, it's doubtful. But it's possible that I might have been being nice to an angel. Generally, angels are not engaged in a world that we can see. But they're engaged, they're everywhere, many, many millions. Also, another thing about angels, there's a lot about angels we don't know, but some things we do know. For instance, when you ring a bell, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> Did y'all know that? What, what church, what's, where's, Clarence, what Clarence said anyway. Another thing about angels that people get wrong sometimes is angels always in the Bible are masculine beings. They're never ladies, never. They're never a, they're never a place where angels are referred to with a feminine pronoun. They're always men. Go with math, to Matthew if you would please. I want to give you some examples of these things. Matthew chapter 28 Matthew chapter 28. You'll recognize this as the first day of the week after Jesus was crucified. And thus his resurrection. Matthew 28. Verse 2 says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. It's great stuff. 
Notice the pronouns. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. The point being, they're always masculine. The pronouns are always masculine pronouns. Another thing about angels, let's say we're in Matthew. Go to the left a little bit, Matthew chapter 22. Another thing about angels is they are non-reproductive beings. They don't marry and have children. They're not multiplying. That's not why they have hundreds of millions of them. They were made, that many of them. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29, it says, Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. Now Jesus is talking to a group of Sadducees about the resurrection. And he give, they gave them this hypothetical, you know, if there were seven brothers in the family and one of them got married and he died, then, then the, his brother would take the wife. And, and so they're asking him, what if all... So here's, here's a great question, theological question. When they get to heaven, who's, who's going to be married to her? And Jesus said in verse 29, you err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Verse 30... For in the resurrection, after the resurrection, when we go to heaven, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. There's not any marriage in heaven. What should I say? I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. So right there you know. Because there's a, there's a question sometimes about a passage in the Old Testament about, about relationship between men and angels. And the Bible is very clear right here. It answers the question. Angels don't marry in given marriage. They're not into reproduction. They, they are created beings and uh, they don't, they're not engaged in marriage, that kind of relationship. You might ask the question, and I'm going to give you a couple of verses and then we're going to focus on the holy angels. These are all just general facts about angels. But why are there two groups of angels? And that's because there was a rebellion in heaven one day and Lucifer led a rebellion against Almighty God. Imagine that. That tells us, by the way, that angels are moral beings. And at least then they had the choice of to obey or not to obey. There's nothing in the Bible, and I'm just, this is not meaningless chatter. It's things to try to remember, wrap our mind around. There's nothing in the Bible that would lead us to believe that, that angels would ever change from the place they are now. There's nothing to let us believe that evil angels will ever repent and get right. And there's nothing to let us believe that holy angels will ever rebel again. You know what I'm saying? But there was a rebellion. Lucifer led the rebellion. And let's look at a, a few verses, and then we'll... Be more focused. Go to the book of Isaiah. We're going to look at three passages. First one is Isaiah chapter 14. In Isaiah chapter 14, we have a record of this rebellion. It's a very important passage, I think, to be familiar with, the 14th chapter of Isaiah. Verse 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? The mentality, the attitude, the rebellion of Lucifer is seen in the following verses. For thou hast said in thine heart. This is what Lucifer said. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Sounds to me like Lucifer had a pride problem. Wouldn't you think? Verse 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. So Lucifer rebelled. But he wasn't the only one that rebelled. Go to the old, back of the New Testament, if you would, please. And let's look at a couple of passages. Let's look, first of all, to the book of Jude. That little small little book of Jude, right before Revelation. 
And here is an account of various groups of rebels, Sodom and Gomorrah being one of them, and the group of people in Noah's day would be another one of them. But verse 6, it talks about the angels. Jude 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. They chose to leave. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So there again we have these angels who were part of that rebellion. Now if you would just turn to the left just a few pages to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. Here again, verse 5, he talks about the rebellion in Noah's day, the world that was so wicked. Verse 6, how he judged Sodom and Gomorrah, turned them into ashes. Verse 4, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So there again, these angels rebelled, they sinned. And remember when Jesus said that the hell was made for the devil and his angels because of their rebellion. So, so this group of angels followed this rebellion and became enemies of God. And they're real. And they're, they're not to be feared. We don't have to fear them because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But it, it, there's more actually, in my estimation, there's more in the New Testament about dealing with the fallen angels, the evil angels, than there is about relating to or being aware of the holy angels. I think the holy angels are going to do their work. And that work, we're going to talk about that work in a moment. But the devil and his angels, the Bible says, they walk about, the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy lives. That's why the Bible tells us to be vigilant. We have an adversary. You can't see him. Our battle is not against, all these things are in the New Testament. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And it's talking about spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about that later. But that's the work of the fallen angels, the evil angels. They're real. And they have an agenda. But we have the power of Almighty to protect us and provide for us. We're glad about that. But let's think about these holy angels now. And again, maybe you're not this way, but to me there's a, there's a certain mystery when I think about the ministry of angels. And a part of that is because there's so little said about what they do. By the way, if God doesn't tell us a lot about their work, it's okay if we don't know a lot about their work. Because the only, the only book we have to reveal this stuff is God's Word. But we'll talk about what we do know. We do know, if you're, in, if you're there in uh, 2 Peter, turn to the left, you'll go to 1 Peter, James, and you'll come to Hebrews. And look in Hebrews chapter 1. We do know that the holy angels of God, these millions and millions and millions of angels, that they're there to minister on our behalf. Isn't that good to know? That's good to know. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy Footstool. And of course, much of Hebrews is about the superiority of Christ, that Christ is above the angels. But this he says about angels in verse 14. Are they not all, talking about the angels, 
ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. That's a great verse. What are these angels doing, these holy angels? They're ministering. They're sent forth to minister for us who will be the heirs of salvation. I personally believe that if we had the ability to do this, and obviously we don't, if we had the ability to look into our life and our past and things that have happened to us, we might find out that the only reason we're here tonight is because angels were watching over us, taking care of us. I really believe that. You say, well, I want to know when and how. Well, you'll find that out one of these days. The and, it, and it's not important that we know when and how. The important thing is that we know that they're there for us. It gives us a sense of comfort. It gives us a sense of, 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 of confidence, not in ourselves, but in God's watch care over us. They're watching over those who shall be heirs of salvation. Let's say, go to the, a little further to the left in a, in a place in Acts chapter 12 that you'll readily recognize. Here's an example of it. Peter's in jail, and Herod has already been, uh, had James killed. James, the brother of John, sons of Zebedee, he was killed. And uh, it, it, it pleased the Jews so much. Talk, go back to the morning message about the hatred the Jews have for God's plan. When, Peter, when, uh, when James was killed, the Jews just loved it. Give us more. So they locked Peter up. So Peter's in jail. And um, it says in verse 7, just to kind of talk about the work of angels. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise and rise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hand. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself. And bind on thy sandals. Now that's a very unique example of an angel coming to the aid of one of God's people, one of God's servants. But that's what angels do. They're watching over. Now where, what arena, where are the angels at? Where would they be? And in case you don't know this or haven't thought about this, the Bible talks about three different heavens. The first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven. The first heaven is what we would call uh, the atmosphere, often the firmament. I often say the first heaven is where the birds live. That's heaven. The second heaven is what we would call outer space. That's a pretty big spot. That's where the stars and planets are. That's the second heaven. The third heaven is where God lives. That's where God's throne is. That's that's way out yonder. <laughs> Angels are present in every one of those places. They're present in the first, we could find, we could show you verses, we're not going to do that tonight. They're present in the first heaven where the birds are, they're down here with us, they're around us. They're, they're further into heaven where the, the planetary system is, and they're even further into heaven because they're in the very throne of God. As a matter of fact, they travel. Would you like for me to tell you how fast they travel? I'm not going to do it. I know, but I'm not going to tell you. No, I don't know. But they can travel from God's throne to earth pretty fast. How fast is pretty fast? Pretty fast. I mean, they get around, right? It'd take you a while to travel that far. They're, pre they're active in every part of heaven. Go, go to uh, Luke for a moment. The Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1. This, now, by the way, while you're turning there, Luke chapter 1, you may be thinking, why don't things like this happen to me like happened to Peter? Well, you need to get thrown in jail more often. For some of you, that would not be rare. But I mean... <laughs> Some of these incidents were so unusual, so remarkable, so once in a lifetime that angels were involved. Here's one of them, Luke chapter 1. We're talking about the announcement of the birth of the Messiah. Now, that's not your 
ordinary routine day, day in the life of a Christian, right? This is, this is big stuff that all of heaven has looked forward to. Luke chapter 1 in verse 11 it says, And there appeared unto him, the him is talking about the father of John the Baptist, Zechariah. He was a priest. There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Now he's even more afraid. He was first afraid because he saw an angel. Now he's afraid because his wife's going to have a baby. Because they're beyond the years of having babies. But you know what? The message was true. This angel brought this message to Zacharias. And look down in verse 19. It says, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. Now it gives us, very unusual, the name of the angel. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. His name is mentioned numerous times as we know in the New Testament that stand in the presence of God. I stand in the very presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee. I came all the way from heaven to bring this message directly from God unto you. Pretty big stuff, pretty important stuff. And to show thee these glad tidings. If you look over a little further in verse 26, it says in the sixth month, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's, Pregnancy in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. This, this angel, Gabriel, same angel, comes all the way from heaven and he is laser focused on the region of Galilee, north of Samaria, north of Judea, to a place called Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And yet Gabriel is going to leave heaven and come to Nazareth, verse 27, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. The point I'm trying to make is, where are angels? Everywhere from earth to the throne of God and all places in between. Millions and millions. Another thing about angels is there is a system of rank among the angelic beings. Uh, the word that's used in Colossians and Ephesians is principality. Sometimes talked about... Um, the evil angels, but I think it's true of all angels. Prince, principality, you know, the first word prince has to do with a leader, a, someone who is a leader over a region. The, the, the word pality is about a territory, like municipality. You talk about a city, a municipality, it's a region. So in the angelic world, there are, um, there's a system, a rank within them. And I believe the archangel has to be, and, and by the way, the only name, if, I'm, if my memory serves me correctly, the only name of an archangel we're given is Michael. And I believe that's the highest ranking angels there are. Clarence would not be in that category. By the way, if y'all don't know who Clarence is, he was an angel. Y'all know who Clarence, not know who Clarence is. If you had talked to Mrs. Morocco, she knows Clarence well. It's in a, the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Wife. I mean, Life. Yeah. So I don't think Clarence was a, an archangel. Something tells me he wasn't. Something tells me I hope he wasn't. Right. Let's go to the Old Testament. Go to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 10. This illustrates this point about 
princes, angelic princes over different territories or regions. In Daniel chapter 10, um, verse 2 tells us that Daniel was mourning three full weeks. He's praying and fasting and mourning for 21 days. He's looking for an answer. And verse 5 says, Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen. So he has this visitor that comes to him. In verse 9 it says, Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face. I, when I was reading that recently, I thought, that sounds like what happens at church. When they hear the voice of my words, a deep sleep just happens on their face. <laughs> so that's what, that's what um, Daniel is ex experiencing, and we have this record Verse 11 says, And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. So this angel came to visit him. Verse 12 says, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and to chasten thyself before thy God. That was three weeks ago, right? 21 days. This angel says from the first day, verse 12 says, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. I intended to come help you. But notice verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. This, this angelic visitor said, I was going to come 21 days ago, but I've been upheld by this prince of the king of, of, the, of the region of Persia. But lo, verse 13, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, one of the first princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I'm come to make thee understand. So there's a whole lot about angels we don't know. But what I see in that is that there's this conflict even among angels. This angel was going to come and help Daniel answer his prayer, bring the answer to his petition. But he was withheld by this other angel, this prince. And it was only when Michael, the archangel, came that he was able to fulfill his obligation. Do you see that in the Bible? Now, again, we're, you say, well, I want to know about this or this. I don't know. There's a lot we don't know, but we know enough to know that there's these angelic beings in the millions that are God's servants to do God's work, to do God's bidding. And as I said earlier, Michael... This, this cause gives us Michael's name in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 13. In the book of Jude, it's, he gives us the name of Michael the archangel, and it says that he was the one who, well, let's go to that, had to do with wrestling for the body of Moses. I, I wasn't going to turn to this, but let's look at that. Jude 9. Jude 9. And unto, Jude 9, no. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring accusation against him, a railing accusation. And we're not going to get into what all that means, but the point is there was this, this dispute, this contention over the body of Moses between the devil and Michael the archangel. Can you see that? It's interesting stuff, isn't it? Wouldn't you like to watch this? This would be better than any kind of video game you could ever see. And it's real stuff. These holy angels have these ranks. There's ranks of authority and responsibility. Sometimes these holy angels are called cherubim. Cherubim. Um, the golden angel, the golden images inside the... Um, 
Holy of Holies over the mercy seat, these angels in the tabernacle and, then, and again in the temple were called cherubim. They, they had their, hand, their arm, two angels, gold-plated, gold gold-covered, arms across the mercy seat. By the way, Lucifer was a cherubim. You also have seraphim. That's another group of angels. The most familiar verses for you probably and for me is Isaiah chapter 6, this vision that Isaiah said he had. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and, and around him were these seraphim and they were just crying out all, all the time, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Uh, four beasts, the four beasts in Revelation were seraphim. All these are holy angels. Now, what do they do? Just to repeat, they are God's messengers. They're servants of God. Psalm 103 says this, Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. They... Serve the bidding of the Lord. They do whatever the Lord wants them to do. If he says, I want you to go down there and have a talk with Zechariah, he's a priest. I've got a message for you to give him. I want you to go see uh, this virgin young lady in uh, Nazareth. I want you to, whatever the Lord says for them to do, they do it. They protect. Exodus 14, it says, The angel of the Lord which went before the camp of Israel. Let's go in our Bibles tonight to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6. I want you to see this for yourself. I hope you're turning to this. This is a very interesting and very uh, stressful time uh, for some. Uh, the Syrian army is pursuing Elisha. And Elisha, of course, was the prophet of God. And the Syrians were after him. And as uh, the as Elisha and his servant are camped out, the servant got up in the morning and he saw the vast army of the, the Syrian army. This is a real army, multitudes of people. And this servant saw them and he was like I would have been, I'm sure, terrified. Now we're in 2 Kings chapter 6. Verse 15, and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, his servant said to Elisha, Alas, my master, how shall we do? That's another way of saying, what in the world are we going to do? He sees this chariots and horses the Syrian army. Verse 16, Elisha answered and said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with him. Now I'm going to read the rest of it, and you know the story probably, but that would that'd be an unusual thing for if you, were, if you saw all these Syrian chariots and horses and soldiers, and, and you just got, it's just you and the preacher. And he's terrified. He says, what are we going to do? And, and Elisha, without batting an eye, said, don't worry about it. There's more for us than there are for them. And you'd think he's lost his mind. You know, he's seeing things. He's hearing voices, whatever. But look in verse 17. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Now they didn't, those things did not just suddenly get there because his eyes were open. Those, they were already there. This multitude. And you know who they're there for? They were there for Elisha. And they were there for Elisha's servant. The servant couldn't see him, but Elisha knew they were there. And every time I read that, I think, why can't I understand? Why can't I get that? That even though I can't see them, they're out there. They're, they're all around us to protect us. 
And that doesn't mean you can tempt God. That doesn't mean, remember when the devil tried to get Jesus to jump off the pinnacle of the temple and he says, as it is written, you know, he'll give his angels charge over you. And he said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord. That doesn't mean you can jump off a building and say, my angel's going to catch me. You know who gave you the idea to jump off the building? It was one of those evil angels. <laughs> but they're there for us, and we can't see them. And there's so many verses that uh, we don't really have the time to look at. I'm going to look at a couple, though. Go to Psalms 34. Psalm 34 and... Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. I mean, the angels are just around people who fear God. Just camped out, waiting, available, there to assist us. Psalm 91, go to the right, to Psalm 91. It's a great psalm begins, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91. But look down, if you would, please, in verse 11. For he shall give his... That's the verse that Jesus quoted in Matthew and Luke. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. These are angels. They're there to protect us. Let me just quickly give you, without looking them up, a few other things they do that, that, that I find fascinating. Number one, they're very interested in this matter of personal salvation. And there's more than one verse about this. But remember when uh, Jesus told about the woman who had ten coins and she lost one. And she rejoiced that she found that coin that she lost. The man who had a hundred sheep and he lost one, but he found that one sheep. And Jesus said, she calls her neighbors, or he called his fr friends and family, said, rejoice with me, with me. And Jesus said, there's rejoicing in heaven over every sinner that repents among the angels, in the presence of the angels. There's rejoicing about this. Um, I don't know that we can say this about every person, but also from the Gospel of Luke, we have the story of um, the rich man in Lazarus, and where it says, and Lazarus died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. It's like the angels escorted him, a personal escort, into heaven. You might say, well, how am I going to know how to get there? You'll have an escort. You'll have somebody lead you along the way. There's much in the Bible about angels. Uh, when Jesus returns... He'll be, he'll be, when he comes back in judgment, he'll be, he will be accompanied by many angels. The Bible talks about that. And if you read in the book of the Revelation, having to do with God's final judgment, angels are involved in many of those acts of judgment. It'll be the angels that bind Satan in the lake of fire for a thousand years at the time of of the millennial, the thousand-year reign of Christ. It'll be angels that cast lost people into the lake of fire. Angels have many activities in the future they'll be involved with. So let me just wrap this up by saying angels are real. Chances are you may never see one. And if you see one, you may not know it's an angel. It might just appear as a person. But you can be assured if you're saved, you have angels watching over. Matter of fact, um, when Jesus was talking about not offending little children, and he said he warned people not offending little children, he says, and he said about, about their angel, that's where some people probably have this idea of a guardian angel doesn't say that. I'm just saying that he's watching over us. And they're God's servants. They're to do his will. I'm not asking to see one. I'm not looking to see one. But I know this. They're, min they're ministering for us. All of us who will be the heirs of salvation. And if we could see them. If tonight 
somehow, like Elisha, asked for his servants. If, we, if God could open our eyes, what we would see is, what we would see is, they're far more for us than there are against us. That doesn't mean we worship angels. We worship the God who made the angels. Matter of fact, in the book of Colossians, there was some error in the churches that Paul addressed. They were worshiping angels. We don't worship angels, but we're glad they're there. Amen? You know, this, this is unique doctrine to me because it doesn't have anything at all to do with our salvation. You know, we talk about the doctrine of the Scripture. We talk about the doctrine of God. We talk about the doctrine of salvation many weeks. This is different in that regard. It doesn't have anything to do with our salvation, but it's, it's an important thing for people to understand. Right? Because it's in the Bible. I've, I'm, I've said this many times and it's true. I know that my wife has saved my life many times when I'm driving and she's looking, she's watching. She, she helps me, right? I'm not saying she's an angel. Far from it, no. No. <laughs> But when she's not with me, I have angels helping me to stay between the ditches. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. God is good. Don't you love the Bible? It's a wonderful book. It's a miraculous book. It's a revealing book. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Our Father, as we pray this evening, we thank you for being such a mighty God. Just the very fact that, God, you created these angelic beings, not a few, not a few hundred, not a few thousand, not even a few million. We know they're not omnipotent, but they're very powerful. We know they're not omniscient, but they have wisdom. We know that they're not omnipresent, but they can be in a place in a hurry. And they, they're around us. And we're comforted in that. We're comforted not just, we're not just comforted, Lord, if I could speak from myself and from my heart. We're not just comforted because there are angels around us. We're comforted because you put them there. Because our God loves us and cares for us and leads us and protects us, watches over us. We're thankful for that. And so, Father, we praise you tonight. We don't praise invisible beings. We praise the almighty, invisible God. We honor you. We worship you. We thank you for your goodness.